I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all, but I do like to, I value my privacy. During the apop- apocalypse, like I'm going to find George and wherever he is off grid, if you can he's find survivalist. <laughs> going to find George and we're going to take him to Joe's land and we're, gonna, we're all going to hang out. And I think we need to, I want to be a producer, not a consumer. And I'm always talking to my kids about that. Like we need to have the mindset of, of, uh, with every opportunity, with every crisis comes new opportunities, new new things. So wealth doesn't disappear, it transfers. By the way, anyone listening probably want to rewind and listen to those points again. It's super powerful. But people who are succeeding during these times are leaning into them. They're not retreating. All right, welcome to the official Expert Talk, the first ever Expert Talk. Joined joined by me today are our fellow board of expert members who were daring enough, and may I say possibly stupid enough, to participate in the first pilot episode um, of, the, of a series that might just get us canceled on day one. I have no idea. Let's find out. But with us today, with us today is the queen of community and uh, creating connections. Cassie, what's up, Cassie? Oh my and, gosh, uh, I love it. Hi, Cassie. Yeah, just made that up on the spot. Um, and as you guys will know, we do know each other, so we we are all part of the same mastermind, so I'm sure, I'm hoping we'll go at each other a little bit. Uh, we, also have our, so we also have our own Bill Gates of uh, our community buying up all the land he can find. Uh, Joe, what's up, Mr. Joe McCall? Mr. Anik, hey, glad to be here. <laughs> all right. And then we've got, are you ready for this, George? We've got the guy who's always asking the legal questions, George Shepard. <laughs> George, you didn't know that about you, did you? At every event I watch, he's, he's always worried about the legal stuff. He's like, what are the legal ramifications of this or of that? And I find that intriguing about you. Um, did you ever, were you a lawyer? Did you ever want to be a lawyer? Did you, find you know, I thought how much money I would save by just going through a law course. I met somebody that's actually a lawyer that did not go to law school, and I was completely enamored by the idea that you can be a lawyer and just pass the bar. I'm like, well, well, well that's Cali- California though, right? That's a California thing. Is it? That's I don't that, know. I mean, yeah, I, that's- I lived in California and that's when I kind of heard about this, but it might be, to- yeah, maybe. Uh, that's a California thing. Um, I am telling you right now, I look at my legal bills every month and I've been trying to convince my wife to go to law school. Um, haven't succeeded yet. Uh, I did get her to become a realtor <laughs> to save us a real realtor fees, but uh, she won't bite on this. Well, guys, thank you. And gals, thank you for being a part of our first uh, first ever pilot episode. We're going to talk about digital marketing stuff. We're going to talk about worldly stuff and just see where this conversation goes. Um, But just again, for our audience, these are our board of expert members. They're successful, they're smart, I think. We'll find out. Um, And we're gonna dive right in. So, ladies and gentlemen, one word that I am, I'm getting a little tired of hearing about it now, Um, but it's, it's, it's big, I get it. I'm just getting tired of hearing about it. Chat, G, P, T. True story, I'm going to bed last night. My wife's on her laptop. And she, so my wife is a TEDx sponsor. So we host TEDx Rockville here at the Learn Center. And she has, man, she is using this thing. So she, she looks at me and she goes, I just wrote the entire program directory for our next TEDx event. And I'm like, what the? And she, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm using ChatGPT. So she has created the logo using, she actually went to ChatGPT, asked for logo ideas, then went to a logo AI thing 
typed in what ChatGPT said, came up with the logo, shows it to me. I'm like, man, that's amazing. Thinking my design team did such a great job. She's like, nope, did this with AI. ChatGPT gave me the idea. She's using it like crazy. She's writing all kinds of stuff. I find it fascinating actually watching people who are not marketers using ChatGPT. But now beyond that, I just, there's a webinar happening tonight that I bought. I'm gonna have to watch a replay. 35 AI tools this person's using to run their business. This is getting kind of crazy now. So uh, I'm gonna kick it off with uh, Joe. What do you think? What, what's, what's going on? Are you in, are you out? Does it change the world? Are we gonna all get destroyed by AI? What are your thoughts? Man, at first I was scared of it because I didn't know it. Um, then I started digging in more and more into it. You know, we had a presentation at our last mastermind what was that lady's name? Alicia? Yes. Alicia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that kind of like, finally, I looked at what she just did and I thought, okay, I get it. That's pretty cool. And this is after hearing about AI and chat GPT for months and months. But when she explained it, how basically it was a presentation on how you could use AI to write a book and write a really good book, not a dumb book, you know, but something that you would read yourself and proofread and edit and make it real. But like when she started sharing all the examples of what you could do with it, I kind of started softening up a little bit. Um, I still think, you know, well, I got so many opinions on it. I'm still kind of on the fence though, man. I'm kind of like, I've tried using it before. And what has not impressed you about it? Why are you in the fence? Like what, what's making you say, eh, I don't really like it. Because Can it I buy real estate, Joe? No, it can't buy real estate. You know, here's the thing, you know, I do real estate deals. It's not going to help me do more deals. Um, okay. It might help me when I'm writing a description of a property to put on my advertisements for that property or on the MLS. So it might help me write better descriptions for properties. It might help me with social media, trying to put content out there. But here's the thing that I, the reason why I've, I think I've done so well in my business is people join my list. They buy my stuff because I'm Joe McCall, right? Like they can relate to me. I talk a lot about being a family guy. I talk a lot about working from home and going on long, extensive trips with my wife and our four kids. I talk about my story. And if any time I've tried to hire an outside copywriter, good copywriters, my copy always does better than theirs. Because and I'm not saying you shouldn't hire copywriters, but I, you've got to learn how to write in your own voice. And chat does not replace your own voice. You, you, there's nothing wrong with being you. And if you're trying to, they claim it can. I mean, they say it can, they claim it can, right? I mean, it says right now that you can say right in the voice of, and and it'll do it. And um, you can train it to be Joe McCall. Yeah. I mean, so you're not quite buying that yet, though. You're not like pretty amazing. Um, you know, the the other day, I um, I took one of my pastors like 15 minute sermons. He does these things every day on YouTube. I took one of his 15 minute sermons and I told chat GPT to summarize it and to then give me bullet points. And uh, I even asked it to write that sermon in Ebonics and it didn't, didn't like it. So it wouldn't let me do it. Um, so then I asked it to write it in, this is embarrassing. Um, I asked it to write it in a, um, Oh, gangster. Um, <laughs> African-American dialect or something like that. And it actually did it. And then I asked it to write it in like a Southern drawl, redneck or whatever. But like, here's the thing before I made it trying to do funny things, whatever. Um, 
it was summarizing his video in his language. It was amazing. So here's, here's the way I'm using chat GPT right now that I'm finding the most useful for me is uh, not writing my sales pages or my emails. I, I think like when I'm writing my sales pages, my emails, I want it to be, I want it to be me writing it, not someone else. I like, I, that's something that I want to control and own. But what I am using it for is I've got a lot of videos that I want to watch. Um, and I'm looking, when I'm looking for content ideas, I can put, I can give it, there's a chat, there's a Chrome extension for YouTube where you can say, summarize this video for me, right? Do you know what it's called? I know that was brought up at the last event. I didn't write down what it was called. There's two of them. And I, I will open up, I got YouTube open right now. And if I click on one of these videos I'm looking at, there is a button called um, transcript and summary and another one called chat GPT summary. And um, let me give you the name of them right here. One of them is YouTube Digest. YouTube Digest. And YouTube Summary with Chat GPT. YouTube Summary. That's, a, that's not a very uh, creative name, but okay, got it. That's just the name of the extension as I'm looking at it here. So what it does is you have a video up there on YouTube and you can say, you can click on, give me a transcript and a summary. And so I subscribe to the, chat gpt pro 20 bucks a month or whatever yeah so you have to have you have to have that open in another tab so you're logged into chat gpt already so it'll you click that button it'll transcribe it and then copy and paste that transcript and a command that says summarize this into your chat gpt window and then you can play with it you can say rewrite this into 10 bullet points or rewrite it into three paragraphs or so that's been good to help me generate ideas for content creation. Okay. So you're, yeah. So you're using it for research. Now, you know, I did see an ad. So back to your point, George, I saw an ad. Uh, so Joe, I don't BS or not. It wouldn't be using chat GPT, but now there's all these other AIs. Um, I'll let everyone know. I'm actually working on my own little AI project, which is kind of cool. No one else is doing it yet. So let's see when I'm ready to shine it, but um, it doesn't use chat GPT at all. But I, I saw an ad the other day and I and literally I was when I was like, I think I've seen it all. And it was an ad that said, use AI to find your next property. And I was wondering, because you have a certain formula that you use to find properties. And so I'm just wondering if there was a way to create something, a tool that would go out and just look for all that and feed it back to you. What what has been annoying is all these marketers that are saying AI and it's really and that's really that's not AI. Yes, that's not right. AI. It's a, a different version of of go high level, right? Or yeah. it's a it's a white labeled version of some software. But yeah. here's what I what I have seen somebody do that's very fascinating. Um, because all this talk about AI, they thought about well, they took Typeform. Typeform is like a an online form generator. You know, you can put yeah. in information. And it has a bunch of language, programming language kind of inside. So you can say, if they say this, then do this. And so he's got this really complicated, incredible type form. So when you're negotiating with a seller, it acts like AI. So basically asks the homeowner, if you're trying to make them an offer to buy their property, mm. you know, it asks them a bunch of questions about the property. Then it asks them, well, what do you think it's worth? And then it asks them, um, well, what's the least you would accept for this property? And then it asks them, I don't know if I can get you that price, but if I, um, I'm probably going to, and it calculates a potential offer range. And then mm -hmm. it says, if you won't accept that, would you accept something like this, a higher price 
if they do owner financing or seller financing or something. So it asks these series of questions and takes them down this roadmap of like trying to determine their motivation, trying to determine how much equity they have in the house. Is their mortgage current or in default? How much do they owe on the property? What are their monthly payments? Would they be open to leasing their property? So like, it's just a type form, but he advertises it as AI. Well, so basically it's removing a lot of human functions, right? So it's doing, and I think right now that seems to, I don't, I haven't seen something to replace yet, but I've seen something to reduce drastically the workload. Um, I did something last night. Yeah, I did something last night that was pretty interesting and I'll share in a minute. But before I do that, um, Cassie, let's bounce to you real quick. Where where are you on this? Are you thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs neutral? I am, I am totally thumbs up on this. I think it leverages um, the starting point of the pulling the trigger to get to a faster first draft. And like leveraging our experience and our voice and, and editing to the point where we can get more out the door. Um, I used it and, and I was, I, I was pretty shy with it. I didn't understand it. I didn't know how to use it. And Alicia came in there like a boss and taught us how to do the prompts and everything like that. And I think if you're listening and you're having issues understanding how to leverage chat GPT, it is all about the prompts, like garbage in, garbage out. If you don't so, put okay, what's, the right what's prompts prompt? in, What's a prompt? What it's, 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 it's a conversation style. And maybe that's why I like having fun with it because like, I'll be like, Hey, chat GPT, what's up? We're going to do this today. Let me know if you understand. And it'll, it'll have a conversation with me. So it's essentially, it's a conversation with it's a the computer. Input. Yeah. It's the input of instructions you're giving it. Um, and what I'm finding, and, and that's becoming its own business right now where like people are selling prompts, there's prompt communities. And I was genuinely like, what the hell is a prompt? But yeah, you actually can really feed it specifics. And the more specific you get, like it outputs better stuff apparently. So anyways, continue. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, I mean, it's it's interesting to watch the marketplace. You know, there's always the first market movers who are gonna sell a lot of one-on-one courses. They're gonna sell a lot of digital product, uh, products on the prompts and things like that. Um, but for me to leverage the tool, the way that you truly can, I, I really think you should play around with your own prompts and you could understand. I was even, we had, um, so my, my oldest son is 17. He's already gotten in trouble with it at school because he used it to write a research paper and he turned it in and, <laughs> and he didn't, I did teach him, you know, how to go and make sure that he makes it his own and things like that. So now he how has the steps moving out? forward. Wait, how did they find out? They copied, the they copied and pasted it and put it in chat GPT. And the teacher asked chat GPT, did you write this? Oh, no way. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> and it was honest and it said yes. <laughs> yes, oh. I did. <laughs> you know what's the scariest thing about that is oh. chat GPT remembers that it wrote that. Yeah. So the question is and how many things have you put into chat GPT that it remembers? Yep. Where is that information going? Oh. And how long will it be stored online? How will it be used against you? Yes. I did not know this. This so, I did not know. This that, is new. This is new. when you introduced George that way, where he's like he's always asking the legal questions. I was like, yes, we're going to be talking about Chat GPT, and I want to know that. Like, there's so many back and forth about like, are you losing your IP? What is it doing with the inputs that you're putting in? Are and are you essentially just moving yeah. all of your teachings and and giving it away? Well, George, you did ask about that. That was one of the legal questions you asked where you said, do you have commercial rights to use? And so there's been a fascinating conversation happening about the fact that, listen, 
we as creators, we write content, we publish it, we have blog posts, blah, 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 right? And Google, you go to Google and search and Google sends us traffic. Google doesn't answer the question, it sends it to us. We can then monetize, build community, and so there's an incentive for us to create this content that is ours that we created. Now all of a sudden, ChatGPT studied all of our content and indexed all of it and will create its own answer and as of the moment doesn't say where it got it from and didn't send us any love or traffic or anything. And so as Bing is releasing this, everyone's saying, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Who owns that content? What are the rights? And how come ChatGPT gets to now monetize all of it? What the hell is the point of us even creating the content? And so, I mean, there are people right now that are saying, okay, the lawsuits are coming. Um, it's going to be a massive, and it's going to reach Congress because there is, we don't have like a, I don't know, right? What 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 do you do? How do you you know? You've got people re-summarizing. I mean, I can take a quote off of somebody and type it in, and say reword this, and now it's Onyx and Gall's quote. Like, is that really right? Same question goes with Midjourney. You're creating artwork off of someone else's artwork. Who has rights to that? I don't think there is really a legal skull. There's going to be a big thing. I mean, this you know, they be... tried this before, Onyx. Uh, right, I was in the music industry, and uh, remember when sampling was a big deal. Uh, the rappers, the hip hop artists started sampling and there was a lot of like lawsuits. They would sample Sting's music. They would sample Elvis's music or whatever else, or even like Michael Jackson's music in those, those estates or the, the attorneys, the people are going after these hip hop artists. Cause like, no, you can't use that because it's the hook. It's the melody. It's what people kind of remember that they kind of associate it with that. And they ultimately ended up losing, but they came to a compromise. And that was, you can use a certain amount of that. There's a certain amount of seconds you can use in a sample. And then when you use more than that then it becomes plagiarism or it becomes what they call a derivative work in the music industry, where you actually, you're basing, you're creating a new work based on another work, you know, or piecing that together. I think that's where we're going to end up with the chat GPT stuff at some point in time. There's going to be a point where it's like, because remember, like with Google, Google stopped showing results. If you remember this, and there's some lawsuits about that, even where people were uh, saying, Hey, you know, instead of sending me results to my page, you're actually just displaying my information on Google. So they never have to leave. The, right. The preview, yeah. The preview. And that's going to end up being the chat GPT thing too. That no one's going to ever have to leave chat, chat GPT, yeah. you know? Well, and so the big conversation there is also Google, Microsoft. I mean, they're ad driven. So you're annihilating your own source of revenue because if you're answering questions that quickly, no one's clicking ads. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting where it's going to go. So I'll tell you a little experiment I ran against the wishes of my, my sister. Um, my nephews were visiting for Christmas and, um, my older one's 11. And I was like, Hey, have you heard of chat GPT? And he's like, what's that? And I was like, Hey, and my sister's like, don't do it. Do not. And I'm like, no, I'm going to sit down with him, talk to him. Don't use it in school. Yada, yada, yada. And he, he loved it to the point where we're playing video games upstairs. And do you know what he asked me? He said, he said, Mamu, which means uncle. He's like, can I go downstairs and play with ChatGPT? I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, sure. Go ahead. He went to my computer downstairs. He didn't close out the prompts. So I went later and I was curious. And that was the first time I ever saw someone use it as a search engine. In my head, I never actually thought of ChatGPT as a search engine. But that's how he used it. At 11-year-old, who is this? What is that? Who created this? Who founded that? Um, and then one of his questions was, is school good for life? And I was like, All right, I guess I know what's going through his head right now. Um, but then I, I noticed, what was the answer on it? I, you know what? I don't remember. I, I didn't read it. I don't remember. I know I was, I was doing 15 things and I just kind of scanned his questions and I'm, we can go type it in and see what it says. I'm pretty sure it'll be a politically correct answer. Um, or it'll it, lately it's doing a lot more of that. I'm just AI and I don't have an opinion on this. Like I've been seeing it be a lot more neutral lately than it was like a month ago. Um, 
I used it in a really interesting way recently where I, so I write these long posts on um, the experts on my Facebook group. And I was, I was getting inspired by someone else on Twitter because I'm, I'm like all about Twitter right now too. And they, they gave this strategy on like how you should write Twitter threads. So I took that post and I didn't want it to be word for word the same. So I, I copied pasted into ChatGPT and I said, rewrite this as a Twitter thread. And it literally came back and said, tweet one, tweet two, tweet three, tweet four, tweet five, tweet six. It was excellent. And it rewrote it. So it wasn't the same words, but it was great. Then I just copied and pasted those and created a Twitter thread. And I was talking to my developer and he was like, oh, we could automate that. So I could make it so that as soon as it pops that out, boom, it just goes and creates a Twitter thread for you. And then I wanted to create what I have learned recently is called a LinkedIn carousel, which is um, a hot thing on LinkedIn where you create like, this click forward, long post, but like forward driving, it's a lot of engagement. It becomes a PDF, you have to upload a PDF. So I went to the same, kept the same chat window open. I went to, went to chat GPT and said, rewrite that Twitter thread as a LinkedIn carousel. So it again reworded it and it created carousel, like it created a prompt that I copied and pasted into a tool, which I don't remember the name of now, and that outputted a PDF for me, which I then uploaded to LinkedIn, and I have a LinkedIn carousel. And I remember I did all of this in a matter of about three minutes, and I sat back, and I remember the first thought that went through my head was, uh-oh. Like, that was an uh-oh moment. I'm like, this, I'm, I'm not using it in the way that a lot of people are using it, but I'm using it for my own self with my own content, and I'm already seeing what would have taken someone 30 minutes to an hour was done in three minutes. But Anik, um, Anik, how does it make you feel knowing that somebody else is going to be taking your content that you did write on yeah. your socials and then yeah. repurposing that for their own and making it their own, taking that. Purposely, personally, I don't give a crap. Um, and I'll just tell you why, because people are already doing it. I'm getting ripped off all the time anyways. Uh, they, you know, they can do that, but they're still never going to be the thought leaders. They're still not going to have the original stuff. Like I'm still going to, like I get ripped off. All my courses that I sell right now are available on sites where you can download and pay like a $5 a year membership fee and pay download. Yet here I am still selling, it's never stopped me. So personally, eh, you know, um, I don't get all worked up about it, but I don't know, maybe it maybe it get, becomes a bigger problem. But, but I think the message needs to be heard to people that are trying to do that and you're trying to find shortcuts to success and fame and notoriety and it's it never works at the end of the day. No, it, won't it never work. will. It's a, it's a yeah. shortcut that you're trying to take that's not going to guarantee your success at all. It might get you a little bit of attention, but it's short term. It's temporary. Well, look, each of each of you here, right? Joe, you're an expert in buying land. George, you do summits. You do more summits than I think there are days in the year. In a year, I don't know how you do it. Um, no one's going to challenge your expertise. And Cassie, like you said, community, connection, um, between you and your partner, systems. I mean, that like... That's a human brain. I just don't see ChatGPT quite there yet to replace. However, having said that, um, you guys, and, and then we'll move to the next topic. Uh, you guys saw the video that uh, was created by our very own Jordan. And so it's getting, it is, chat, the AI world is getting interesting. It's getting creepy. Um, I'm going to bring him on maybe one of these days as a guest on the podcast. But um, Dan Brock has created a YouTube channel that is, he said, purely AI created. The scripts, the thumbnails, the audios, the videos, everything is AI created. And he's getting like, I, I'm working off the top of my head. It's like 15,000 views a day or something already. Um, so interesting stuff. 
All right, uh, let's flip a little, and I'm gonna jump ahead and talk about something I did recently, yesterday. Um, I'm having some mixed thoughts about it. Uh, feeling bad, but at the same time, I'm also feeling like I don't give a crap. Um, I don't know, and the person who I did this to might be watching, and if they do, I do apologize um, at the, the rash nature of what happened, but there, uh, no names mentioned. There was a person who posted in the Expert Summit Facebook group. And so for everyone watching, I'm curious. This is community management question, right? Comes up online. Posted a, a pretty long, amazing post, honestly. It was, a, it was a really well thought out post and I approved it and I, and I really liked it. Now, I didn't know who the person was. I, I haven't had any dealings with them. And apparently they've come to my events. They've come to the Expert Summit too. I just, I didn't recognize the name. And um, I, I liked the post so much, I tagged everybody. And I said, everyone should read this. So I kind of, I syndicated it out to 900 people in that group. Within minutes of which, I start getting messages from people that are like, you do not know who you just promoted, bad history, arrests, cons, been banned from many parts of the industry. Here's the real name. I looked them up, didn't look good. And I kind of just did judge, jury, executioner on the spot. I'll tell you what, I was going through, I was in a bad mood and it was like late night and I was like, I just don't have time to deal with this. So deleted post, banned member, removed. And I did personally remove them as a friend as well because I knew what's gonna happen. They're gonna see- Yeah, and I, because- Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you off the record. I don't wanna put anyone in blast. It was a good post though. Um, and I personally unfriended because uh, I just, man, I don't got the energy. They're going to say, well, that's a lie. This is a lie. Blah, 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 blah. I had like six messages in my Facebook within minutes of this thing going off from people I know and trust and like that said, dude, abandon shit, abort, abort. And so I did this and, and the person is upset. They're messaging other people I know. They're reaching out to the team. How dare this? Blah blah blah. It's offensive. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna out onning to the space. I'm gonna badmouth them. I'm gonna trash them. And I just kind of just let it be. And like then I was like, man, that's not the onik way. But then I was like, there was no other way that wasn't gonna suck up all my energy in the world. So, George, did I do what did I should I have done it differently? What do you think? Community management. Do you just do you take the word of those six, seven people and? Well, so first off, I would say this. If six or seven people are willing to, to speak up to say there's yeah. a problem, there's probably a hundred other ones yeah. who are just not going to like speak up. All right. And I've, I've had dealings with other people too, business partners that I only found out after I dissolved that relationship. People came to me afterwards and they said, you know, I'm so glad that you stopped that relationship with this person because I didn't want to tell you, but I know where the bodies are buried. And they started explaining this, 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 and all these lawsuits and these people that he was like, $10 million to him going, what are you talking about? And then I did the research myself too. And I was like, well, I really dodged a bullet. So I would say you probably got really lucky and, you know, not to mention that, but it, it brings down the community at large. So if that person's in, you know, the group and that group is supposed to be curated and it's a group of experts and you let one bad apple in that group, like the whole, the whole group starts to rot. All right. So Cassie, you're, you're a very sweet person. You're a nice person. Should I have reached out to them before? Should I have given them an opportunity to explain? Should I have engaged in that? That. Just... All right. So I'm a very sweet and considerate person, but at the same time, there's a law of averages. And when six people immediately reach out to you, 
I'm also going to go out on a limb and, and, and say, you're probably pretty close if they reach out to you right away. And there is this communication and there's trust and history with those six people. Right. Um, so in my opinion, you followed your gut, you checked your energy, you, this is a free group. They're, they're not paying for access or anything like that. Right. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, do I protect the group? Do I protect my energy? And do I not, do I choose not to participate in drama? Right. So those are three checks that for me, you checked off. Second, there is always a different way to combat these uncomfortable situations, right? If it was me and my post was deleted, the way that I would act and the way that this person act is like polar opposites. I would be like, yes. hey, Onik, I noticed you deleted my post and I just wanted to reach out. Did I do something wrong? Was it a get? I would ask. I would ask what and how I could fix it. I would be willing, yeah. right? Because yeah. if I'm truly wanting to contribute, that's this communication style that I come to the table with. Yeah. threatening the team, threatening to bash you, like, come on, you totally made the right decision there and dodged a bullet. That's what someone on the team today said. I think it was Christian on the team. I was telling the story and, and he goes, well, I guess his behavior or his response to it was proof of your right decision. Um, and, and that was, see, that was where I felt like me communicating and saying, hey, I've deleted your post because I heard all this da, 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 was going to lead to that. And then I'm, I'm lying there at 10 o'clock at night trying to go to sleep, you know, and I'm like, I just don't want this. And so I just made the jump. Joe, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, pretty much agree with, with the group. Thumbs down, man. You're, you're above that. Like you don't need to deal, you don't need to deal with it. You know, there's a guy in the real estate info space that, um, has a very good, he, he's generated some hate. Um, but just one of the nicest guys in the world. He's incredibly generous. I trust him. He has integrity. He's kept a list of everybody that's ever complained about him in a negative, bad way, right? Hate yeah. and all that and asked for refunds, et cetera, et cetera. And I've shared him with him that list as well. That's a big list, 500 something people. And uh, we have both gone through our Facebook accounts and blocked every single one of them from everything oh, that we good. ever post. Okay. And it's been amazing. Like the, the drama has dropped dramatically. And uh, we keep on adding to that list and we share it with each other. Um, yeah. And he's a pretty big name, well-known. So like th there, if there is a way we should even maybe talk about this, I don't know if it's a good or bad idea, but um, you know, if, if there's a way inside a board of experts or expert summits or something like that, if there's a way to have a, a bad list that people who ask for refunds or complain in a, in a bad negative way, it's gotta be from somebody that you trust, I guess, but it would yeah. be wonderful to, it sounds like George. That sounds like a lawsuit waiting to happen. Uh, that that <laughs> sounds like fun, actually. Yeah, it but, sounds like um, fun. <laughs> I was just gonna say when you started talking, Joe. First thing that went to my mind was I was I, I don't remember what movie I saw, but uh, whether this guy had a list of people that should disappear. If you know what I mean, I was like, is Joe talking about a list of people who should dis no, no, no. disappear? If you know what I mean, I'm going. Just, oh well, that's interesting. Just, just block <laughs> them from Facebook, Instagram. I don't know if you can block people on YouTube, um, but yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just the energy. Um, so here's the interesting thing, though. So this morning when I woke up and I was thinking about it, and it, and it led me to think about our experience at times as advertisers with Facebook or Google, when they ban our accounts and they just say bye bye, don't want to talk to you, no recourse, don't talk to us. And I was like, okay, God, do I kind of get their point now? <laughs> like five percent of me is like, hey, just don't want to deal with 
our drama and I've been on the other side of that band and it's not fun and it's, 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 it's infuriating, but, um, in the end, all things considered, I decided I just, yes, I have bigger things I needed to get engaged with today. And I wasn't going to let that drag on. And I told the team, just let it be. And, and if that person decides to thrash me in the market, well, all the best. Cause most people would show up for my defense. So well, um, one more thing, on it, there's, there's some other guys and I won't name drop, but that are in similar positions as you well-known been in the business for a long time, big internet marketing guys. And uh, if you, you should reach out to some of them and talk to them about what they do and their kind of philosophy behind it. And I'm sure you get some great advice. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's a couple particularly that run big communities I should ask. Um, all right. <clears throat> so Elon Musk buys Twitter and comes up with the blue check mark that you can pay 12 bucks a month for. And I think I just bought mine. I'm not sure if I've been approved yet. Gets a lot of heat, a lot of backlash. I don't know if you guys are, are we, are we only Elon fans here? So with the thumbs up, Elon, thumbs down, Elon, can I get thumbs? Okay. You know, there's a lot of Elon haters out there. Um, and so this, this 11, $12 a month thing gets, gets just like, oh my God, this is so stupid, blah, 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 blah. And then our good old buddy Zucky decides to announce it as well. Now, I will tell you, I have had it and I've given up with Instagram and the Onyx profiles. And I have tried, you know, I, I think I lost my blue check mark for, I don't know why. And it says like every third day I'm getting messaged by somebody that's like, is this you? Is this you? I'm like, when it says Onyx underscore one, five, nine, two, Z three figure, you just figure it out. Damn it right? Like, it's not me. I have given up. People are like, you should be posting about it. You should post stories. You should tell them. I'm like, no, because every third day there's two new ones. And if I'm sorry, I'm just going to sound harsh, but if you're stupid enough to engage and send 32 Bitcoin to an Onyx BTC 942, maybe you don't deserve to keep that Bitcoin because it sure as hell is not me. All right. Like, uh, the transfer right now. Hang on. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Right. So, I kind of was like, all right, and, and 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 Instagram actually literally said there was a day of time, it was a year plus ago, they said, we're done. We're, we're done trying to police this. It's it's gotten out of our hands. Um, but now Zucky comes up with what's coming out, rolling out. What do you guys think? What do you think about, uh, George, we'll start with you. What do you think about the uh, buy your own credibility check? Well, here's what, I, here's what I think. I've been traveling a lot, you know, going to Expert Summit and uh, Board of Experts at a bunch of other uh, events uh, around. And the thing that irks me the most is clear. Like, oh, um, so I can just pay some money and I'm not a terrorist. You know, yeah. I, I mean, seriously, I'm just like, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's the exact same stuff. Well, I just pay some money. I'm, I'm legit now. I'm legit. This is me. It's like, okay. George, you officially just got a warning status put underneath this episode on YouTube. But thanks for that. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. you're right. Right. Are there any other band words you want to go ahead and drop right now, George? Yeah, let's drop it right now, <laughs> and then you can cut that out of the segment. I don't cut anything. This this is a pilot episode. If this gets us screwed, then that tells us more about our our freedom of speech and lack thereof than we need to know. But um, but yeah, you're right. So what what Clear's argument, George, will be that they run a background check on you and have your fingerprints. I mean, but what if you were fine today, and then three days from having gone through the background check, you decide you're no longer a nice person. Um, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I mean, and you just cut right in and go right to the front. So how are you connect, finish connecting that to the blue check mark? Um, so who's, first of all, let me ask you, who's giving you the privilege of being you, you know, is that a government 
that's giving you the privilege? Is it a, a, a multinational corporation who's giving you the privilege? My mother. I mean, we're, we're all we're born free. I mean, that's the whole idea, right? We're supposed to be yeah. uh, here. So a little history. Um, the way that the United States was formed is we're supposed to be sovereigns, which means we are above kings. We're our own kings. Like, actually, the government wasn't even supposed to tell us what to do. Right. Not to mention, like, government has become more uh, intertwined with like politics and uh, corporations. If you watch any of the sci fi movies, I'm totally a sci fi geek. Um, by the by the way, guys, nothing legal about George at all, is there? Like you guys see, you guys see the trend, man. I love it. C continue. I'm getting. Yeah, a so if you here. watch the sci-fi movies, they all like they they talk about this future where governments and corporations have merged, you know. And this what you can watch Star Trek from way back when. Everything that has been in Star Trek has come to pass. Even our discussion about AI, I was going to bring up. If you wanted to see, this was foretold like 20, 30 years ago. You know, as far as the computer be able to make decisions and. Uh, it's just really, really interesting. There's a whole bunch more we can get on that rabbit trail. But that whole thing is like, are you really an individual? Like, you'll never be able to police someone from coming out and saying, I am the real Anik. You know, I am the real Joe, you know, and just trying to steal your identity. Because trying to steal your identity, it's just, it's literally impossible. With the exception of blockchain. Blockchain, because the way that it's structured with wallets and such, there might be something there. But I don't think people have unfigured that out yet. You know, as far as how to verify identity, because you have the wallet address or you're able to, to verify with uh, certain deposits or something to that effect. I think there might be something there in the future that we can use. But this whole idea of, of like the blue check mark, I mean, it's just another way of fleecing money from people. So good on them for finding a good way of making money. But I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't use what, Facebook anyway. It's what waste. problem. What problem? I know I figured that out. I stopped sending you Facebook messages. I got to text you. I figured that out real quick. Um, what? So first of all, Star Trek and Simpsons. Let's give Simpsons their credit. They predicted a lot of stuff that's happening too. Yes. It's freaky. If anyone's watching this, go to go to YouTube. Type in Simpsons uh, predictions, future traveler, time traveler, whatever. Like. I don't, I don't want to get into all that, but man, if you watch some of those video clips that happened years later, like how it, they're just like, like layered on top of each other. It's, it's, it's insane, but I did not know about the Star Trek thing. So that's really neat. What is the purpose of the blue check mark? I'm, I'm curious, like I'm, I'm going to go out and pay for it. Why was it ever, it's created to do what? To say that you're the authentic, like I'm the authentic Onik. Is that the purpose of it? Yeah, that's the way that I understand it. And I mean, I have a totally different take on this. And it's because I lost my personal profile to a hacker. And ah, I can't, yes, you did. I can't verify, right? So when I'm looking at this outside looking in, who's going to pay for it, right? Someone who's just a free user on the platform, they're not necessarily worried about the blue check mark. People who want the blue check mark and the officialism of it. They're typically either, you know, a celebrity, they're they're an opinion writer, or they're just a main source of information or they're a business. So for me, I'll pay $14 a month all day long to not have to jump through hoops for someone to say, like, okay, how do we verify that this is your real account? I'm still not in my original creator account on Facebook. So 
the thing that got me was, and we can argue par, uh, profitability and, and you know what they do with our ad spend money and things like that, because this is like billions and billions and billions of dollars that they've made over the years of, of selling ads. There, there should be robust and more security measures in place to protect users, but there's not. I don't know why there's not, but if $14 gets me heightened security to protect my account, like maybe that's just the only selling point that I would need if I want to leverage an account to be profitable in business and use it as a marketing mechanism. I got an idea for you on that one. I mean, someone said, I think it might've been at the, at the mass mastermind meeting. If, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product, you know, so maybe, and, and, you know, they're selling our data to so many third parties, they got busted for that. You know, and uh, one thing to keep in mind, like maybe if they added, we don't sell your data, your data actually is taken out of the hmm. data set or whatever. That's that would one. be worth it. Joe is sold. What's that? <laughs> Joe is sold with that. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, yeah then it would make sense. Or include more privacy. Right. Here's the thing well, I kind so of agree with Cassie said, like, I'm going to pay it just because. Yeah. I, I, I care about preventing as best I can the, the ability of somebody else to create a fake profile. But I think from a business standpoint, I think Elon Musk, is, it was probably a wise decision. This probably has helped their revenue oh, quite substantially. He and wanted, profitability. He wanted MRR. He said, yeah. The other day, um, this next quarter should be their first like break-even quarter in a really, really long time. Well, David Sachs is one of the first, David Sachs worked with Elon over at PayPal. They've known each other for a long time. David Sachs is like known as the king of SaaS. He's got a, a VC fund that does SaaS. And he was one of the key consultants um, on this Twitter acquisition. So much so that when Twitter was suing Elon Musk, I know David Sachs talked about how he actually got subpoenaed. Um, and so everyone knew that if David Sachs is involved, there's going to be some MRR continuity, something that's going to happen. And, but what's confusing to me is this, and you guys may or may not know the answer. I'm, I'm looking at my phone because I went yesterday and I, and I paid for the, cause you can't on Facebook yet. It's not there yet on, on Twitter. I finally said, oh, I'll pay for this thing. And I'm in process and I keep checking. Cause I'm like, oh, they're, how are they going to confirm it's me though? They've not asked me anything. I've not uploaded any proof ID. Like I just paid. So I don't get it. Like they what's probably can the... verify it's you from your credit card, right? All right. So so there is some level. Have they talked about what they do behind the scenes once you pay them? Like how to actually verify it's you? Because otherwise, anyone can just like uh, I'm Cassie and I'll just pay. Like there you go. Now I'm the official Cassie. Like I don't. I that's a part. Has, have they said anything? Do you guys know about like what they're doing behind the scenes? No, but I want them to take my money so that I can get my old profile back. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, that was the other thing. I, I messaged Cassie. I was asking for a favor, and she didn't reply to me for like days. I'm like, damn. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm not on Cassie's favorite list. That's anymore. the old profile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Then you told me later, you're like, I'm locked out of my profile. I was like, oh crap. All right. You know what, Onik? As a business marketing company, as we all are, one of the things you can take away from this is the um, the controversy. Despite all of that, right? There's a lot of people paying Twitter this money. A lot of people are going to be paying Facebook. It goes to what you've been talking about, the power of low ticket, especially low ticket continuity. Yeah. That's something we should all be looking at. What are things that we could do in our own business with low ticket continuity 
yeah. that um, can help. And, and you may think it's only seven bucks a month. It's not a big deal, but no, 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 no. That stuff adds up. And yeah. it also brings you more customers willing to open up their wallet and give you money, which then you can promote other things to them. You, you get a credit card on the file. You get a credit card yeah. on the file. That's Low tickets making a huge comeback. You've been talking about that. I'm seeing that in my own business. It's, uh, you know what? There's a whole session we're going to talk about stuff. And so we'll, we'll talk about this. But yeah, um, I think anyone who's sleeping on low ticket right now, because I, I slept a little longer. I, I, I did a prediction episode with Lo Silva on this podcast. And I specifically said, and then I didn't do anything with it. My dumbass self. So like, you know, predicted it, didn't do anything about it. Now it's still time, but it's coming. It's coming back with a vengeance. I just heard the other day. Uh, so yesterday, I think it was Billy Jean um agreed to keynote one of our upcoming events and so he was sharing details on a recent promo he did and guess what low ticket you know uh you you should talk to anthony morrison as well um he has this thing he calls the rule of seven and if you go to partnerwithanthony.net or .com or whatever he's been doing this for a long long time so i he had a little program and i signed up for it and i just duplicated what he did and uh I had to I had to shut it down, and make some changes because it was too confusing, too similar to my coaching program. But we're about to relaunch it again, and uh, without spending much money at all, uh, we quickly got up to seven or eight grand in recurring monthly revenue on a seven dollar a month thing. But the way he does it, where you get people in at seven bucks, deliver a ton of value, but then give them opportunities to upgrade into other things, um, it's it's an amazing ROI. And it's also these little things that we could do, like he's got two or three of them. And I just started doing stuff similar to that. Um, you know, $9 a month mastermind, a $10 a month newsletter. You can add these little things in that people, um, they love and well, it delivers high value with it. Well, I'm not, I'm not shy to put this out there. So you guys know, some of you may know the pub, people listening learns completely turning its business model. So we're going to learn media. So it's just going to be straight up media model. Um, and low ticket is the name of the game and newsletters is what we're really going to be going into. And so I have been knee deep in researching and studying newsletters. Actually, I'm going to get one of the co-founders of morning brew on the podcast and, uh, low ticket, man. I mean, there are people making fortunes, uh, with seven, eight, nine, ten dollar a month newsletters. I mean, some that are seven, eight, nine, ten dollars a year. And uh, what they're really just doing is getting a paid subscriber and then selling advertising into that into that lot. And when you go and knock down a door of an advertiser and say, these people pay, my open rates are 50%. I mean, bam, you're triple charging. So that's a whole nother conversation. So blue check mark, um, interesting. I don't get it. I'm really, so if someone's watching this and in the comments, if you could explain to me how they're actually confirming, I'm paying, it's fine, I'm, I'm good, I'm gonna pay. Hopefully it helps add some protection. Um, and then, um, George, question for you. You said something interesting. I just want to come back to it. Star Trek predicted everything that's happening. What are some of the other things that you've seen happen that Star Trek predicted? I don't know. I just find that. In- well, AI for sure. Uh, cell phones. Think about the little things, right? This was like back in the 50s, 60s. I don't know if it was in the 50s. I think it was maybe like 60s, 70s, right? But cell phones, before there was wireless, they had these wireless technology, right? They were doing all this stuff. Um, some of the other things, uh, there's actually been a number uh, – on the political side, us not needing money anymore, you know, like they went to a cashless society, right? Where people can expand on their creativity and their humanities and stuff like that. We don't need, we've elevated above the need for money. 
that was that kind of how they they framed can, it. Can, That's where speaking headed. of that, can, speaking of that, I'm opening my wallet right now. Okay, and here's what I have in my wallet. I have three or four thousand rupees. I have Indian. I I do not have one dollar on me in the U.S. I've been I've been back from India for for weeks now. This fascinates me because when I go to India, I have to have wads of cash on me. That's starting to go away now. Now in India, they're getting way ahead. I, I, I take a rickshaw ride. I tap my phone. The guy's paid. Um, so they're also moving towards cashless society. But I am I'm, I'm baffled by how long I can go without even $1 in my wallet. Um, I don't know if you guys have the similar situation, but I, I carry zero cash. <laughs> I do just the opposite. I take all the money out of the bank even on my business account, I probably shouldn't say this online, and I do everything in cash. I've gone so far as to uh, go out and order several hundred dollars worth of $2 bills from my bank, which you can just order them in stacks of $2 bills. And that's how I pay for things because it's such a rarity to see a $2 bill. I want bring cash back. And if you turn to the $2 what, what, bill- What exactly over. are you paying for? Where, where are you going? Is that on a Friday night, George? That's you know, every for- night. For me. <laughs> $2, $2 bills. <laughs> Wait, why? Why are you doing that? Where are you keeping all this cash? What do you keep it under your your? So you don't use banks? You don't keep cash? No, I use bank? banks. I'm just saying I don't like to have my transactions tra- um, tracked uh, because if they if you put everything on a card, they know exactly what you're buying, how you're buying it, where you're buying it, when you're buying it, and all that other stuff. And it's just a matter of time before they use that against you. I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all, but I do like to I value my privacy. So during the pop- apocalypse, like I'm going to find George and. Wherever he's off grid, if you can he's find survivalist. Me. <laughs> right, here's what we're going to do. Gonna I'm going to find, find him before he goes off grid. We're going to find George and we're going to take him to Joe's land. And we're, gonna, we're all going to hang out in the, in, the, in, the, in the land that Joe's bought. All right. Um, we're kind of pivoting into this. We're, we're talking a little bit about privacy tracking. I've, I've given up on that. I think everyone, I think the government knows what I'm doing. And if they find that interesting, good for them. Um, what is going on in the world right now? So we've got this, like, it's become a dichotomy now where people are like, we are going to have recession. The world's going to come to an end. There's going to be this big. But I feel like we're getting numb to it. Like, there's a war happening in Ukraine that no one talks about anymore that doesn't seem to impact how we're spending or what we're doing. Um, there's earthquakes happening. Last I read, 45,000 people dead in Turkey, yet we're still sending billions of dollars one direction and not really sending one direction here. Uh, I'm not trying to say either or. I'm just I'm a little fascinated by some of our government's spending habits. I know that's a very political topic. Different people have different opinions. Um, something that caught my attention yesterday watching international news. I like to watch a lot of BBC Worldwide. I I just like to know what's going on in the world. So I watch a little U.S. news too, but I find U.S. news is completely oblivious to the world. Like they do not talk about the world at all. Like we live in America. America is the world. This is like all we live in. BBC World News reports Pakistan's inflation rate in January was 27.6%. That's reported. It's probably higher. That's the government trying to get there. That's the government trying to manipulate that number to be low, probably 27.6%. And even though interest rates are through the roof in January, even in America, uh, consumer spending went up by 1.8%. We're still spending. Layoffs are happening. We're still spending. Interest rates are through the roof. I'm a little confused. Everyone got their check. Everyone got their check. Of course they're spending. 
But that's but that's gone now. Was there a new check that went out that I don't know about? I think there was like three or three rounds at least of checks that went out to people. Plus everyone who's just completely not wanting to go back to work, they're just applying for assistance. I mean, there's just money being doled out like this. It's like watching a rap video. You know, it's crazy. Apparently, I okay. So I I got the whole there were a lot of COVID checks and stuff argument for a while. I feel like we're 2023 now. Like that money, how much did you get? Like how long can you live off of that? Um. What do you, okay, so let's go through this. Um, I'll, I'll come back to my opinion last. George, is there a big kaboom coming? Is there a reckoning coming? Recession, collapse of economy, something? Big? <laughs> it's happened so many times in history. Weimar Republic. I mean, you can go back. Uh, every com- country who's ever gone off of the gold standard at some time, when they start doling out money, uh, and they don't, their currency is not backed by anything. It always, it always falls apart. At some point, the question is like, how much will it fall apart? If they keep printing money, will we ever notice it? Uh, if you just, I, I had a, I went and bought a stack of Zimbabwe, I think it was ten trillion dollars, ten trillion dollar bills. Like I spent two thousand dollars and I bought these ten trillion dollar bills. They're now worth about fifty bucks each because they're collector's items. But it's like, how do you get there? It's the same thing. We're we're dealing with that right now. Whether it's the economy that's going to implode, the the dollar becomes less. Uh, valuable. Or I think it's also going to be a, a scenario where AI is going to take everyone's jobs. It was predicted that by 2030, uh, 30% of the population is going to be out of work from automation, robotics, and AI. I mean, we're already seeing that right now. People are- And that's going to bring up that's going to bring up the whole universal income thing, right? Oh, that's, that's I think that's the ultimate goal, actually, is to get everyone UBI and they're going to create a digital dollar. It's already been passed. It was uh, earmarked, I don't know if you know that or not, in some of the bills that passed during the COVID times, uh, a digital dollar. It's, it's on the books. It's ready to come out. And as soon as they do that, they can turn your account off like that because they're airdropping money into your wallet. They're making right. everything very easy. Cassie, what do you think about what George just shared? Oh, hands down. Yeah. I mean, it's not being reported, but it's happening. I mean, look at the price of eggs. Look at the, you know, I was teasing, you know, we've got four kids. We used to go um, to to Kids Eat Free at Moe's and Mo Monday used to be $5. It's $6.29 now, right? Like we're, we're experiencing the same thing. I have family who is in, um, you know, we grew up in, in the whole service, like retail industry on the food side. So just with those, they're going back to the buyers and it's like, we've got to raise our prices minimum of 30% just to break even with what we were surviving by since COVID, right? So it's a triple down effect that it's, it's, it's happening, but at the same time, big scale consumer behavior, it is exactly like what you said. It's not necessarily changing. You go, I remember going in 2020, like to, to the outdoor malls and the part that you can't find a parking spot. So people are still consuming. They're still spending money. It's just, is it racking up debt that they're really not concerned about? They're going to spend money on two things I've learned over been through a couple like recessions, entertainment, because when people are in a bad way, they want to forget their life, entertainment and uh, substances, if you know what I mean. You know, whether you're drinking or you're doing other things, anything that's going to take their mind off or kids, because even during some of the worst uh, recessions we had during like the 2000 
uh, or whatever. I was teaching music lessons uh, living out in California, and I saw an uptick in my students. They were coming to take drum lessons for me. And you would think, oh, that's just the opposite of what I would think. Everyone's going to be conservative and like um, pulling in a little bit. But no, they actually were spending more. They're like, they, I guess they wanted to shield their kids from having some of these uh, memories from their childhood. So entertainment is one of those things that will always, and BizOp too, um, is going to be booming. Network marketing companies are going to explode again. It happens every time. People look for easy, you know, get, I would say get rich quick schemes, but things that look a little bit too easy. Uh, and they can get into business like this by just paying their 10 bucks or a hundred bucks a month. You know, and a lot of those, seven, like you mentioned earlier, like the $7 cheap uh, things, like people want to be in business, they're tired of working for other people and they're going to keep spending money. So, so that's an, uh, real quick, Joe, before that's another thing that's come up that I've wondered a lot, even here, we'll say, hey, uh, inflation, 7%, 6% or whatever, but cost of eggs, forget the cost of eggs. So there's, for some reason, there's a lot of egg intake in my house. Like we all eat a lot of eggs. And so when we were doing the Instacart thing, we tried to order three cartons of eggs and it said, no, it said, you are limited to two. And I'm sitting there thinking, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, wait, 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 where are we living where you're telling me how many eggs I can buy? Um, and that was when I went Googling and found out, oh, there's like this whole like thing around eggs right now. Um, but most things like, okay, so we host events, right? So I remember my wife who does our event planning, she comes to me and she's like, the costs have just gone through the roof since prior to 20, prior to the pandemic, prior to 2020. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So you get one of those pop-up stands we were paying 80, 90 bucks for. She's like, it's literally $200 now. I'm like, well, that's not a six, 7% inflation it's like a double price food you know we we pay for amazing lunches and stuff for our for our people um you know we've we've been fortunate because we're friends with the 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 restaurant owners so they've kept it light on us but we wanted to see about diversifying trying different catering different restaurants i'm not joking when i say the kind of spread that we provide to our audience when they come for lunch if we went out now and went elsewhere it's it's gonna be like it's right now we pay like 24 dollars a head the closest one we're getting is 55 for that kind of food. And so I'm sitting here looking, I'm like, most things I'm looking at did not go up by six, seven, eight percent. It went up by a hell of a lot more. Um, it's just not being talked about. Joe, question for you. How do you think this impacts us as marketers, entrepreneurs in the information marketing world? Uh, what's, what's, there has to be some roll down, right? I have my opinion. I've been through a couple of these, but what's yours? What do you think? Well, I, when COVID hit, I really dug deep and studied the Great Depression, what happened uh, in the last recession that we had in 08. And you see, there's a lot of companies that are created during recessions and depressions, right? Um, and I think we need to, I want to be a producer, not a consumer. And I'm always talking to my kids about that. Like, you need to have the mindset of, of uh, with every opportunity, with every crisis comes new opportunities, new new things. So wealth doesn't disappear, it transfers. So I started studying what are the companies or the sectors that did really well in the Great Depression. And uh, I've made a list here of about seven or eight things that companies did to adjust and survive and thrive in the Great Depression and the recession. First one, they had cash before the crash, right? They started eliminating their debt. They had little to no debt. Um, they used cash. They used that cash then to buy assets at huge discounts. So when the market and the economy crashed, they had the money then to buy other assets. So they started diversifying. Um, 
they also started lowering their prices. They were able to lower their prices they um, and increased their marketing. The companies that actually did well during Great Depressions and recession started spending more money on marketing for those lower price products because marketing became cheaper. Um, so they got really creative with new marketing, creating new incentives. And then the final point is they didn't forget the small guy. Um, they started targeting the small guy and doing well. And, and I don't have all of the examples here in front of me, but um, there's, I have some articles here, but like study it for yourself. Just go to Google and do a search for companies that survived Great Depression. What did they do to, and which companies died during the Great Depression? It's a pretty fascinating subject. And let me say one more thing. Uh, Rockefeller, I, right when I was studying this, I went to New York City, went to Rockefeller Center, and there's a little museum in there for him. And it was fascinating to see pictures from the Great Depression and these guys that were selling, were begging people to buy their really nice cars for a hundred bucks or whatever. And during that time, Rockefeller actually started creating jobs. He started creating jobs. He was a producer, not a consumer. And he created like 75,000 jobs. And that's where he built the Rockefeller Center was during the Great Depression. So I was thinking, that's what I want to be like. I want to be that guy that's creating jobs for people and and um yeah so 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 me it sounds like you what you're so by the way anyone listening probably want to rewind and listen to those points again super powerful but people who are succeeding during these times are leaning into them they're not retreating they're accelerating and that's where the success is coming but a little bit of that also has to do with they prepared they were wise with their money and cash like first thing you said they were they were cash heavy um and I've heard, this is not the first time I've heard this. I've heard this again and again, and actually it has proven, someone did a study, I don't have it in front of me. And like I said, next time in the future, I'll be more prepared. There was actually a study done where some of the best companies today, some of the biggest, most valuable companies today in the market, in the open stock market, were actually created during recession times, um, were founded during recession times. Hey, if you're creating a startup and you're looking for developers, guess what? This is the best time because in 2020, when I was looking for developers, it cost me literally my left arm. I mean, it was insane. Started um, during the crash of 08 and 09. Uh, Uber, Airbnb, WhatsApp, Pinterest, Slack, and Stripe. There you go. There you go. So uh, there you go. Lots of opportunity for us waiting. Um, but there is going to be, I mean, lean into it. What I've decided to do is here's what I'm doing. So I've decided to start building funnels that are regardless going to do well. <laughs> so if the economy doesn't crash, great, it'll do well. If it does kind of go now south, I think it'll do well. That's why I've been talking so much about low ticket funnels, because I think low ticket funnels work really well in both both spaces, um, especially if you have the depth of it. All right. Now, I'm going to pivot a little bit. Then I got some rapid fire questions I want to ask you guys about um, that are a little bit more marketing related, a little bit more entrepreneurship related. Um, this is a quick one. I'm just curious. I, I don't know why this one just, I, 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 there's people that are very concerned about it. And I think George, maybe you'll have a strong opinion. We'll start with you. There's some people that don't care. I'm, I don't know why I'm on like the don't care side. TikTok. Um, you got just, it's become quite the political issue. So Republicans are like, ban it, ban it, ban it. China's stealing all our stuff. I feel like China's probably already stolen. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they already have all the info probably. And then now it's becoming like you in the in the EU, it's becoming a big thing. Um, it's reviving itself in the US. There's some there's some bills on the on the floor where TikTok is just becoming a hot topic again. Um, I haven't really done too much study, but even like the FBI director came straight up recently and said it's a threat to our security. 
Like this is the director of the FBI literally said TikTok's a threat to our security. I feel like that's kind of important. So George, you said privacy is important to you. I'm pretty sure you're probably not on TikTok. Are you worried about the fact that 99% of the rest of the country is? Uh, I'm less worried about TikTok because it's Chinese than I am worried about the stuff that the government sticks their nose into. Our U.S. government, I should say. Because, yeah, for one, I mean, I'm not giving away national secrets on my TikTok when I dance, you know, or whatever. It's not, it's not (laughs) happening, right? You're not going to figure out how to smuggle stuff onto a plane, you know, by watching my videos or whatever the scenario is. But I'm not too, too worried about the TikTok thing. I think what's interesting about TikTok, you know, from the, uh, the angle of business is that it wasn't originally called TikTok. It's called Musical.ly. So if you look back uh, at like a rebrand, you know, and it just think about this. I mean, it could be the same thing. The same technology underlying would come out if it's not TikTok. It's it's probably out two or three different times. They do the same thing with YouTube videos. The same video comes out two or three different times, just different accounts, same exact video, slight tweaks. You know, you're never going to be able to end that. And there's probably 10 Chinese companies already doing something like that right now. And that's just the one that hit. But uh, it's sometimes it's necessary to do a rebrand uh, to get people to have them really understand. So anyone who does the history and does research on that uh, musically versus TikTok, it's very interesting. Well, so for TikTok, the threat that they're saying isn't quite frankly like the content will train people to do weird stuff. What I've read is a couple things. One, there's this whole thing where they say if you're in China and the youth is watching TikTok, it's all like constructive, educational. It's like all this positive stuff. They artificially make sure that the right content that empower the youth is boosted. Whereas when it comes to US, they try to make sure that all the kids that are twerking and doing all the stupid stuff, like lighting their hands on fire, lighting their hair on fire, that that's what's getting, you know, and so they- So China's trying to make us stupid, is that what you're saying? So they're the stupid stuff in America. Yes, so there's an actual strong, there's an actual argument about they're saying that they're, that China's methodically making the Western world stupid to over time take, take over. I think we do a good enough job making ourselves stupid. So it's my personal opinion. Um, but, uh, I mean, hello MTV generation. Yes. Yeah. Real world, all of that type of stuff that was on our soil. (laughs) Um, bachelor, bachelorette, marrying people without seeing them. These are shows that I watch my, I see my wife binge sometimes. I'm like, what is going on in this world? Um, Okay, so the second thing that they will say they're worried about with TikTok is that because they know what all the kids and all the people, not just kids now, it's a lot of adults using TikTok too, is that uh, China can inject messaging and mess with us and get us to think a certain way to impact our politics. To me, it's just all, it sounds like a lot of hard work. If China wanted to do something to us. I just find like there's easier ways they could do it than like this like convoluted multi-year strategy. But I don't know enough about this stuff. I'm not like, this is like the worst, I'm like the least intelligent in this area. Um, but I was just curious if you guys give a crap about TikTok being banned or not. Well, that's censorship. I mean, when you when you get down to it, bottom line, I mean, if you look at censorship, censorship is basically training uh, a society to think a certain way, to act a certain way. Uh, they say art mimics life and life mimics art. So if you look at uh, the social media being, I think it's the opposite way. Life mimics social media these days. So what's on social media, what they allow through social media is what life will look like in a very short window of time. Yeah. Okay. So that goes so more than saying, just China. So you're saying banning TikTok is censorship or you are for banning TikTok. You're saying we shouldn't be messing with it. I think, well, first thing I always say is this. 
when uh, the best way to win a fight is to be like, hey, look at this, bam, right? You catch him, catch him with a hook. I mean, the fighting entrepreneur, right? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the, you when the people don't know what's going on behind the scenes, like if people really paid attention to what was going on during the Michael Jackson trials, during the uh, OJ Simpson trials, all the legislation was being shoved down the throats when the, if again, you take read the Patriot Act, there's nothing patriotic about it at all. You know, so what I would say is this, if they're making a big deal out of it, I would say there's well, something else going on. not paying attention to. That's exactly right. To get them talking about points that are non-relevant to what they're really trying to do. Yeah. I would say I have a pretty healthy dose of um, conspiracy theorists too. So like, I really like this dialogue and that was the first thing that came to my mind is like, okay, so now the FBI is going to come out and say, we're concerned about TikTok. Has the FBI came out and said, we're concerned about human trafficking. We're concerned, we're concerned about the splitting of the nation and the, the, the news channels. They're only getting in a wind tunnel on the right and a wind tunnel on the left. No. This is like, wh where's the dancing monkey that we can get everybody up in arms about? And what are we going to work through that we don't want people paying attention to? Like, I 100% believe like when things like that, it was the same thing with um, when the vaccine came out. It was just like, boom, like, let's just let that little bomb go off and we'll go work on other things. That's, that's the thing is, is. And that question comes up for me. What do they not want us paying attention to? Yeah. So that part, trust me or not, we're probably going to have to do some bleeps and because I, I just mentioned the C word on one of my videos and I didn't even say anything bad about it. I just talked about my experience at expert summit one, which is where I think all of you were. Um, I got after that. See, now we're gonna have to bleep that out because I got the C word after that. And all I did was talk about my experience with it. I did not say anything bad. I did not make a political statement. I did not talk about the V word. I did not say anything. I just said my experience. And I basically said, guys, it sucked. Be careful. And um, my uh, views tanked, went down by half after I released that episode on, on YouTube. And miraculously, a month later, I got demonetized as well. So none of my videos make any money. Um, so I went from making five or six grand a month. The new channel, actually, I started specifically. No, that's a different reason. So the reason I started the new YouTube channel is because my work with Ryan McGinn, where we're making all these crazy shorts where I'm talking about all kinds of random stuff. What we found was it's helping grow the channel. It's definitely helping get my brand out. I'm running into people all the time. They're like, hey, um, you're the YouTube guy, uh, which is great. And it's getting that kind of mass exposure. But it was bringing in all these subscribers from like, People that are watching my video about like how I spent $25,000 on toilets. It's like, well, they're not going to care about watching entrepreneurial long form content. And that's what was translating. My long form was starting to struggle and my shorts were just booming. So what we just decided to do was say, you know what, uh, lean into it. So if that's kind of my life with Onyx and Gall, that's what we're going to be renaming it eventually to life with Onyx and Gall. And even my long form content on that channel is going to kind of become a little bit more generalist so that people can absorb it and like it. And then I really wanted to, with the Onyx and All show, I just really wanted to pull away and start a little fresh and just rebuild a following for the show that just likes the show. And I don't care if it doesn't get to millions of followers or whatever, but that was why the separate channel was, you know, 
we weren't we the algorithms in YouTube had already been faltered to a degree that I didn't think I could restore, which was, hey, long form in this channel, nobody cares, don't syndicate it. Shorts, syndicate the hell out of it. So I just said, all right, we'll start a new one where we train it and we train it so that even the shorts that I'll do on the new YouTube channel will be podcast related only. There will be snippets we pull from our podcast. So will they get 20,000 views, 30,000? No, but they'll get a, a thousand views of a people that are interested in the topics we discuss in the podcast. So uh, short answer to why I did that, but um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. But so okay, so it's interesting, Joe. What do you think? You think we got a little bit of that going on in the government where they're like, look, 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 bow. Yeah, it's all fascinating. But I'm looking at it also from a marketer's standpoint. Like, okay, how can I take advantage of this situation <laughs> in a greedy little marketer's mind way? For example, um, I'm on the fence. I kind of lean more right, you know, um, but. I know a lot of my friends who are deep in the conspiracy theories are all at rumble right now and truth social and all these other platforms. Right. And, um, I don't, I've not done any ads yet on rumble rumble is like a YouTube alternative, right. With no, no threats of ever being kicked off. Right. It's like the free speech. It's the new free speech platform of yeah. the, um, conservative, right. For the most part. Right. And uh, sure enough, you go there, there are tons and tons of ads from these huge internet, or not internet, um, financial opportunities markets, gold, oh. silver, crypto. Um, you're seeing a lot of, I don't know how much it costs yet, or but if, you, if, if seeing these ads is any indication and you're seeing a lot of them that it's working mm. because there's a huge captive audience there. So um, I'm going to ride the TikTok train um, as long as I can from, cause I know my, I have customers there and I don't care necessarily as much about the politics of it all. I just know my customers with money are there. Um, so and also the same with Instagram or YouTube and I'm not a TikTok expert like I want to be yet, but, um, but I also know my ideal customer is, you know, cause I sell real estate investing training. They're in the thirties to fifties, right? They're conservative, they're male. They're, um, they, they're, they're self-proclaimed patriots. They're concerned about government overreach. They're concerned about China. They are pro GUN. <laughs> they're anti VAX and like they're, and, and guess where they are. They're over there at rumble. Right. Yeah. And so what if I could take my real estate investing course on land investing yeah. and tweak my message to, to reach that audience? Hey, do you want a place to hide? You know, when the government comes to give you the jab, why don't you buy some vacant land? Here I have this course that teaches you how to do that. Well, so, but that's interesting, right? But what a practical approach. So, hey, uh, people can have their own opinions. I don't have to hate them. I have my own opinions, but hell, I'll use it for marketing. And, and I think that was like for the longest time I had an issue with Facebook. I think my relationship with Facebook has been a little bit repaired, but I really didn't like it. Yet I was spending a half a million to $600,000 a month in any given month. Even today, I spent, I probably spent three, four grand today on Facebook. So I'm giving Zucky all kinds of money. I'm like, well, you know what? It's got my customers and I don't like some of the things they do. I don't, you know, but I can sit here and be 
I could be an activist or I can just run my business. I chose to run my business. Politics is not my career. So I think for a lot of people, you know, they, they would judge that. They would say, oh, you stand for nothing and you do for nothing, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? We, we stand for our business and for the opportunity of getting our products in front of people and changing their lives and we'll go where they are. That's, if that's, you get too political, like no one's going to see your stuff. Yeah. Right. If you stand up oh, for yeah. too many causes, oh, like, yeah. no one, your, the algorithms and the censorship will mean that no one sees your stuff. Well, I mean, for me, like the ultimate way to support your cause is like, I want to write my own dang check, right? Like I want to grow my business and grow my impact and, and pour into the causes and the charities that are important to me. I don't have to like throw boulders at other people. It's, it's like what Joe said, social media, especially organic, they are free traffic sources. Even the paid social media um, sources, you're like to take out an, a two page at ad in a magazine, come on, right? One, you're not going to get the distribution like you did when that was the only option, but like a billboard on the highway or a park bench, eight grand, you can put eight grand into paid social media traffic and get millions upon millions of quality views on what you're doing. So it's, yep. it's one of those things where like leverage the heck out of it, grow your business, be profitable and support the causes that you want to and create the impact you want. You know, what's fascinating. Can I say this real quick? Yeah. Um, Fox news, whatever you think of Robert Murdoch, was that his name? Rupert Murdoch? Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Right. yeah. Brilliant marketer. Right. And, and he just admitted today or yesterday in the news that, well, I won't get into Trump, but like it was, yeah. it was pretty weird. But anyway, um, Super smart guy. He, this is somebody now what you could, there, there's people that hate him on the both sides of the political aisle. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you can't accuse him of being a bad uh, marketer. Um, and, and if you, you, I've talked to people who've worked at Fox news and uh, the only conservatives that they have working at that stations are the ones that are on the shows. Everybody else behind the camera, super liberal, right? Wow. Really crazy. Yes. And I got that from an inside guy who. And how do they? Well, how do they work there? Then they just they just absorb it. They just eat it. They don't care because it's. I mean, it's pretty. They know where the money like, is. I mean, why else? Why do you think they're the number one rated cable news network? Yeah. Um, above them all, because they know what their audience wants, and they give it to them. Yeah, the yeah but conservatives on a, a lot. Them, yeah, go ahead. A, a lot of uh, we like the news stations are marketers too, right? A lot of the stir the pot stories that they do. The the thing is, like, we don't know until the biographies come out where what former president can consistently played golf with other former presidents from like opposing parties, right? Because it's it's whatever narrative and whatever story someone wants to play to like you know mess with the puppet strings. And the thing about it is like at the end of the day, like when the camera's rolling, it's marketing. When the camera's off and they're in the coffee room and the break room and things like that, they are human, right? And they're probably having pretty cool conversations when the camera's not rolling. Yeah, right. No, absolutely. It's it's a show. It's a show. Um, I remember that picture during the whole like, you know, obviously when Biden got elected and he came into office and there was a lot of issues and this and that. I can't remember the name from the Republican side. He was very vocal. And there was a picture of him fist bumping um, uh, Kamala Harris. And, and, and it was like one of those like you didn't know the cameras were on moments. Right. And he got a big smile. She's got a big smile. And he's fist bumping. And that thing went, people went nuts over it. 
Um, but I was like, yeah, I mean, they work together. They probably all eat the same place. And I had a story, uh, it was, it was uh, told by a friend of mine. So he was in a deposition and the attorney on the other side was from the government. And he said it was like the hardest for like six, seven hours of his life. He said it, the, the attorney just went at him. He was like, it was, it was nasty. And um, he goes, you know, I would never wanted to go through that ever again. And well, afterwards, he said he went downstairs and they were outside. Him and his attorney were outside just having a cigarette. That opposing attorney walks down, lights up a cigarette, standing right with them and says, uh, you guys from around here, what's good for dinner? I'm trying to look for a place to go to dinner. And, and my friends, like I was completely just uh, like baffled. And the two attorneys just started chatting, like as if they had been best friends for life. He's like, I sat there and I'm like, you just got done ripping me a new one for six hours. And you want me to tell you where to go have dinner. But that's like, that's, that's the, they're in that room, their show. They, they gotta, they gotta, they gotta put on a show. They don't actually have a problem with you. They, they they'd have dinner with you right afterwards. They're just like, but in that moment. We have, we have a case to run. Um, all right. So moving right along, uh, we're going to do this rapid fire. I want to make it quick. Uh, first question I'm going to throw out you guys is favorite source of paid traffic for 2023, where you think you'll be putting the most money in quick answers, no, and if or buts, uh, Joe direct mail, direct mail. Wow. All right. right. Yeah. Might have to come back to that one in a, in a future episode. Uh, so you mean like physical mail, like mailing people right in like the post office, like good old. Yep, yep. And I'm sending it to primarily first my own customers who've bought anything from me in the past mm -hmm. three years, four or five years. I'm sending them a letter for other things that I sell. Um, you know, email open rates, 20%, direct mail open rates, 80, 90%, just yeah, completely bulk. And these are buyers. And now yeah. you can also rent other people's buyers lists who are in the same industry, same space. Yeah. and rent their lists from them. So yeah, direct mail. All right, Cassie. Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. It's all of them. All right. Yeah, uh, that's George. what I was going to say too. Those three. All right. Um, for me right now, it's Facebook. Um, but I have a feeling TikTok's going to make a raging entry into our into our business. Um, favorite source for social media, like community building. Cassie, start with you. Facebook still dominates in my opinion all right george uh for community building yeah yeah i would take a look at circle they're doing some interesting things they are uh we we recently just set one up for another brand of ours so circle.co um is what was where you can find that eso it's circle that's something all right it's not it's definitely not calm uh joe you know, as much as I hate to say it, I don't like Facebook groups, but that's where I get the most engagement for my customers. Facebook groups. Right. Facebook groups. All right. Biggest opportunity in 2023 that you think people are sleeping on, George? <clears throat> Boy, that's a good one. I would like to say email because I think email is going to always be the biggest channel until it's not as far as the highest uh, buying intent. And until that gets replaced or disrupted, um, yeah, I'd say that. But I think AI, anything AI yeah. is probably the biggest oh. opportunity right now. Still, Yeah, still too many people sleeping on that, honestly. I agree with you. Cassie? Um, I'm going to take a different route because I know we're going to get opinions on others. Um, I'm going to say relationships. Like Ah, yes. I was going to say that. So ah, beat you to it. <laughs> yeah, great. Well we, I, well, we can talk a little bit about why. Uh, Joe? Biggest opportunity in 23? Yeah, that you think people are sleeping on. 
Um, I had an answer. Low ticket was probably my number one choice. The other one is direct mail. Direct mail. Yeah. Um, I, I debated a lot between like low ticket, which I really think is a huge opportunity. If you guys are not doing low ticket right now and, and you're, you're selling information, you're selling products, like you're just missing out. But then I was like, well, what am I really investing in? What has been my big thing that's got a return that's been insane? And that's relationship. That's the fact that I know Joe, Cassie, and George, and I know enough about them to write little one-liner quibs about them before we start the episode. I have a community I'm building where I'm able to, people are posting questions and I'm able to tag. I know who knows the answer to this and I'm tagging people out. I'm spending time with these people face-to-face. -face. I'm spending time with them one-on-one. -on -one. I'm spending time, it's a lot of work. And I'm loving every freaking minute of it, but this community one by one, the way we're building it and the way that community is going out and representing the community and talking about it and bringing people to us um, has just been such an honor. I've never experienced anything like this in 20 years. I mean, this is the most intimate I've been. Now, of course, we're also, it's, it's a much higher level. You have to invest a lot more to get into the community, but that's allowing us to then, to be able to do that. So uh, Cassie, I agree with you, I think, because there's so much AI and automation and robotics and so much, I actually think it's creating a reverse opportunity where the human touch is is actually like nice. Like I, I'll tell you one thing right now. I absolutely hate, not like I have a solution to it right now, even at Learn, but man, I'm so tired of calling and it's like, welcome. If you're calling for this, type one. If you're calling, I feel like just get me. I just want to talk to a human for crying out loud. Like, you know, um, even in my doctor's office, like, please just, you know, like, just don't make me go through a seven layer of thing and then call drops halfway through. And I feel like the more that's happening, the more the company that can come out and say, hey, by the way, when you call us, pick up like us, like someone, a human from our company. There's a pharmacy that I work with for my meds. And every time I call, they just pick up like it's within three rings. They pick up. How can I help you? And they actually help. And I swear you'll never get me to use another pharmacy. And that's the only reason is because people pick up. So, you know, um, there's one thing I'll I'll. We just want to chime in on something yeah. else. I totally forgot. When I talk about the AI thing, the one thing that kept me through um, and anyone else I know through like demics and whatever else they had to deal with was re uh, residual income. I think there's a huge opportunity right now for residual income to create recurring yeah. streams of income that we should be taking advantage of right now today, because no matter if you, you know, your industry gets disrupted and everyone loses their job due to whatever, residual income keeps on happening. And it's, yeah. Like I would just say for anyone who's listening, like you got to get your monthly nut covered with some residual income channel now. I, I will tell you, I did that. Thanks to my wife who pushed us to do it because I, I I'm not a big investor. I like entrepreneurship and making. We did it with real estate and our real estate income is far more than what we need to live a pretty good life. And man, I tell you, whew. It definitely allows you a lot more flexibility to go out there and be an entrepreneur because you're not worried about like losing it all, right? So you're right. Invest your money, invest it wisely. George, where can people go to learn more about you? Give us, give us some URLs, promote yourself. Sure, 360 summits. 360summits.com. And he means it. He's always doing summits. This guy is the master of it. If you want to know about summits, go to 360summits.com. Cassie? Yeah, we're at freedomtoimpact.com. Freedomtoimpact.com. Um, if you guys want to learn how to implement systems in your business, their mission is about to be, and maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but they're going to show us entrepreneurs who work our butts off 
her and her business partner, Rhonda. Hi, Rhonda. Um, are going to share you how to get to a three-day work week. So you only work three days. And I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. Like, I, I want that. I really want that. Joe, where can people find you and buy a bunch of land so that we can retreat to it when the world comes to an end? Uh, boy, uh, I, have a, I have a class that I teach. Um, if you go to simplelandflips.com, simplelandflips.com, that'll redirect you to a page where you can watch a little class I did on it and uh, get an opportunity to uh, buy my course. It's, it's a really good program. I, I've, I've, taught, I've been teaching for a long, long time and I've never had more testimonials of success from students than this. It's really amazing. I love it. And I was there to see the creation of the whole thing. I feel like I've been watching the birthing of this process and it's been oh, really fun. And yeah, and, and the greatest opportunity, I think one of them is extend the funnel. Yes, extend the funnel. All right. Oh we're going to leave them on that cliffhanger because we'll talk more about that. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but um, Thomas actually bought the URL for me. And I am thinking about doing a challenge at extendthefunnel.com where we spend three days teaching my, I actually have 12 ways I wrote down that you can extend your funnel. Um, and I thought that would be super awesome for experienced marketers. It's, it's, it's like, it's guaranteed you're going to make more money, right? Like you can't not make money by extending the funnel is the one way you can guarantee you'll make more money. Now that we've left everybody with that cliffhanger, um, to the three of you, thank you so much for participating in the first ever pilot episode of Expert Talk. I thought it was fun. What'd you guys think? Yeah, a lot of fun. great. Oh, good. Yeah. An hour and a half went by. I didn't even realize it. Um, and so let's see what the audience thinks. If you guys loved it, tell us. If you hated it, that's okay. You can tell us too. We don't really care. We start getting um, death threats in the mail, then we'll know something's wrong. Yeah, exactly. If we piss off. Or we're money. really onto something. <laughs> we all that's get platformed. If, if we upset enough people, we're onto something, everybody. So with that said, I don't know. Let us know what you think comments are below everybody we love you guys we'll see you on the next one this is onyx and all saying go to onyxshow.com to binge listen to all of our stuff and when life pushes you stand straight smile and push it the heck back see you later bye